Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. captive by ISIS on August 4th, 2013, just days before her 25th birthday. On February 10th, 2015, U.S. officials confirmed that Muslim extremists had murdered her while she was in captivity. In the spring of 2014, as a captive, she wrote to her family. She sent the letters through other captives who were released. The letter begins with Kayla's assurance that she has been treated well, and is in a safe location, completely unharmed and healthy, and even put on weight, in fact, she said. The young aid worker goes on to apologize touchingly to her family for what she has put them through because of her captivity. She wrote, If you could say I have suffered at all throughout this whole experience, it is only in knowing how much suffering I have put you all through. And comes her central proposition. I remember Mom always telling me that all in all, in the end, the only one you really have is God. I have come to a place and experience where in every sense of the word I have surrendered myself to our Creator because literally there is no one else. Kayla, who was involved in the campus ministry at Northern Arizona University, goes on to relate how by God and by your prayers I have felt tenderly cradled in free fall, she put it. She adds, I have been shown in darkness light and have learned that even in prison one can be free. I am grateful I pray each day that, if nothing else, you have felt a certain closeness and surrender to God as well. And she concluded, Please be patient. Give your pain to God. I know you would want me to remain strong. That is exactly what I am doing. Do not fear for me. Continue to pray, as will I. And by God's will, we will be together soon. All my everything, Kayla. Kayla was upheld by God in her trial. God cares about everything in our lives, and He holds us up and carries us through life's difficult circumstances. Life can make you feel very weak and out of control. You realize in those times that it is only in God where we find strength, and we find comfort in His control, and feel as Kayla did, tenderly cradled in free fall. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. This verse gives two instructions to obey. Do not fear and do not be dismayed. Gives two reasons to obey. For I am with you and for I am your God. Gives three promises from God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So God tells us, what not to do. Don't fear and don't be dismayed. And then he tells us why. Because he's with us and because he's our God. And then he tells us three things he'll do for us. He'll strengthen, help, and uphold us. Now the interpretation of the passage in its context is written to the nation of Israel under the law. It is a prophecy regarding a man 
whom God would raise up to deliver his people Israel from their painful captivity in Babylon. When this was written, this captivity to Babylon wouldn't take place for another 150 years, and this king wouldn't come to power for another 200 years. Later in chapters 44 and 45, God prophesies his actual name, Cyrus. The teaching of the chapter is that Israel, who was God's chosen and special people, that they had nothing to fear because God was always with them to strengthen, help, and uphold them. But there's a principle and an application for us, the body of Christ, that is just as true now under grace as it was back then, that God's people in any dispensation don't need to fear because these things about God and His presence, help, and strength are true for us as well and are in line with the message of grace that was revealed to Paul for the church today. Now the word fear here comes from a word that has the idea of flight or fleeing. Instead of the circumstances of our lives causing us to flee in fear, God reassures his own that he will help them to stand and face their fears and be delivered from them. But when God calls us to be free from fear and not fear, he does not leave the command just hanging in the air. It comes with five divine supports. It's fear not, God is with you. Fear not, God is your God. Fear not, God will strengthen you. Fear not, God will help you. Fear not, God will uphold you. Everyone's afraid of something. For some, it's heights. For others, it's spiders or snakes. And others, it's germs or clowns or flying on an airplane, public speaking, mice, bridges. We can be fearful of the future scared of death, and fearful of worst-case scenarios that we don't even allow ourselves to speak out loud for fear that they will happen. Stories told about a six-foot-ten Texan who walked up to the counter at McDonald's, slammed his big fist down, and said to the girl behind the counter, I want half a Big Mac. And she said, what? And he said, I want half a Big Mac, and I want it now. Not exactly sure what to do. She said, excuse me for a minute. And she headed back to her manager without realizing that the man was following right behind her. She got back to the manager and said, there's a big klutz out there who's dumber than lead, and he's ordered half a Big Mac. Just about that moment, she suddenly realized that he was standing right behind her, and quickly she added, and she said, and this nice gentleman wants the other half. There are plenty of reasons and things and situations that make us fearful in life. We all have fears. It's normal to be fearful. Even in Scripture, the strongest of God's servants were often subject to fear. Moses was fearful to go to Egypt to be God's deliverer, to deliver Israel from their bondage. Peter was fearful and betrayed the Lord three times. Elijah, this one always amazes me, just after the amazing demonstration of God's power on Mount Carmel calling fire down from heaven, under his sacrifice, exposing Baal as being a false god. When Jezebel threatened his life, Elijah ran for miles and miles away in fear of her to hide from her. The best of men are men at the best, and the strongest of men are weak if they look only at their circumstances and to themselves. But here God gives a simple solution for our fears, and the solution is God himself. Notice that God does not say, don't fear too much. He does not say, don't fear so often. 
It's an unlimited exhortation. It is an exhortation without any quantity or time to it and applies to all times. And the reason why is because God says, for I am with thee. God is with us all the time. That's why we don't need to fear at any time. There is no time when God isn't there. Therefore, if we live nearer to God in our relationship with Him and walk closer to Him, we can, as a rule, live above our fears. David wrote in Psalm 27.1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord encouraged Joshua, Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. When Moses expressed his fears about being God's deliverer of the nation of Israel from uh, their bondage, God's response in Exodus 3.12 was, Certainly, I will be with thee. And certainly, God will be with us always in life. In whatever circumstance we go through, wherever He calls us to go, and whatever He asks us to do for Him. And circumstances that are too much, and burdens, trials, and suffering too heavy to bear, and roles seemingly too big for us to carry out, God's affirmation is the same. For I am with you. And nothing is too big, too much, too heavy for God as we allow Him to bear our burdens for us by faith and as we are strong in the Lord and in the power of His might by faith. Notice it doesn't say God was with me or that He will be with me. It's that I am with thee. For the believer, there is never a time when God is not there. He is with us all the way. God is never, ever absent from our lives. The Apostle Paul teaches us that we are temples of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Ghost dwelleth in us. Colossians 1.27 says, We have Christ in you, the hope of glory. Ephesians 4.6 says, To all the body of Christ we have one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are in us. If the triune God is in us, then God is with us always. Wherever we go, whatever we do, He's always there. So even though we are often prone to fear, there is never a need to fear because He's always there. And thus the instruction is to not fear at all. The problem is we still all do it and that we forget and that we doubt and our faith gives way or we don't believe that God is with us always. or And all of those kind of things lead to fear. It's been said, feed your fears and your faith will starve. Feed your faith and your fears will starve. It's our closeness with God and faith in Him that relieves us of fear. But we must keep growing in our faith or our fears can overwhelm our faith. Faith in God and His presence can free us from fear in our families, job situations, our marriage, uh, school stresses, health situations, financial troubles, problems from our past, worries about the future, and in every other situation. The believer should not define their life in terms of their past only, or their problems, or limit their lives by their fears. Instead, we should define our lives in terms of our God who is with us always. 
and allow Him to use us by faith without the spirit of fear, living a life of power, love, and a sound mind. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. A Praying Life, True Spirituality and Prayer is a 50-page booklet written by Pastor Kevin J. Sadler. This booklet demonstrates from Scripture how God desires prayer to fill the Christian life. God hears and answers prayer, and He tells us in His Word to pray without ceasing and commune with Him continually, relating every experience in life to Him. There is no part of our lives that isn't prayer material. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, Call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Along with this instruction to not fear, God says to be not dismayed. Dismayed is derived from a Hebrew word meaning to see, to gaze, to look. It has the idea of looking around anxiously as someone would do in a state of alarm or danger or worry. For our dismay, again, God offers himself as the solution. We are able to not be dismayed because God is our God, because of our personal relationship with him. The important thing to notice here, though, is that it is not the believer saying to the Lord, Lord, you are mine. Instead, it is the Lord saying to the believer, I am yours. And that's what truly helps our dismay and anxiousness, is God saying that to us. We are His forever because God says so. So however fearful or uncertain we may feel, if you are a believer, God gives you this firm assurance and confidence. He tells each of you, I am your God. And that's true for eternity because we are righteous in Christ forever. And the one who says, I am your God, is not a helpless God. This verse is in the context of the incredible description of the greatness of God in chapter 40, as we've looked at. The God who measures all the waters of the world in the hollow of his hand, who weighs those massive mountains in his scales and knows how much they weigh, who spreadeth out the infinite heavens as a tent for himself to dwell in, who sits as Lord upon the circle of the earth. That incomparable, almighty, all-knowing God is our God. And in our relationship with Him, He is more than able to strengthen, help, uphold us in life, and drive our fears away, and drive our dismay away. In 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David went to the Lord personally, 
and was encouraged and strengthened in the Lord his God. So the same can be true in our lives when we don't know which way to turn in life and we just turn to him. And in our dismay, he just wants us to trust him, knowing he is ours and we are his. And knowing him and as we trust him, we need to trust what Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says about him. Where it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. One, our, one author insightfully writes this, God's thoughts are not our thoughts, nor are they even like ours. We aren't even in the, in the same neighborhood. We think, preserve the body. He thinks, save the soul. We avoid pain and seek peace. God uses pain to bring peace. I'm going to live before I die, we resolve. Die so you can live, he instructs. We love what rusts. He loves what endures. We rejoice at our successes. He rejoices at our faithfulness. We show our children the Nike star with the million-dollar smile and say, Be like Mike. God points to the cross and says, be like Christ. Our thoughts are not God's thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. He has a different agenda. He dwells in a different dimension. He lives on another plan. How vital that we pray, armed with the knowledge, that God is in heaven and on the throne. Pray with any lesser conviction, and our prayers are timid, shallow, and hollow. This knowledge gives us confidence as we face the uncertain future. We know that He is in control of the universe and so we can rest secure. But important also is the knowledge that God has chosen to bend near toward the earth to see our sorrow and hear our prayers. He is not so far above us that He is not touched by our tears. Though we may not be able to see His purpose or His plan, the Lord is on His throne and in firm control of the universe in our lives. So we entrust Him with our future. We entrust Him with our very lives. The second half of Isaiah 41.10 says, I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. God assures His own that He will strengthen, help, and support us. The promises are stacked one on top of the other. There are three I wills and two yeas. Those are words of certainty. Those are words that assure us of God's faithfulness, that what He says, He will do. I will strengthen them. And then it's, yes, I will. I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. God, who knows our fears and knows our weaknesses, will strengthen us. And not only will He strengthen, but He will help us. And not only will He strengthen and help, but He will hold us up. Our strength is very limited. And His is unlimited. Almost everything is too hard for us. Nothing is too hard for Him. He promises to give us the strength we need for life and for every trial if we'll just trust Him for it. 
In Ephesians 3.16, Paul prays for the church, the body of Christ, that God would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Even though we don't have to, God knows us. And He knows that at times we become afraid and dismayed. But we are promised His strength for whatever makes us fearful or distraught. God is personally involved in each of our lives and He cares deeply for us. We need Him every moment. And out of God's care, He promises to help us. Because God is always present and is ours, He promises His strength and He promises to help us. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, For He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Just as we don't have the strength to face our trials, neither do we have the wisdom or knowledge. We need God's help to guide our steps in life. On our own, we're weak and we are helpless, and we wander aimlessly in this world. We don't know what's going to happen one minute from now, let alone one month or one year from now, but we don't need to be fearful. We don't need to be dismayed because the God who has the ability to call a king by name to do his bidding 200 years before he was born and who causes all things to work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, promises each and every believer, I will help you. As Corey Tenboom has said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. We need His guidance through life into an uncertain future. And knowing He is there with us always and that He is our God takes away our fears about the future. And along life's journey, God says He will uphold us with His right hand. Notice how Isaiah puts that though. We're not told to hang on to God. We are promised that He will hold us up. He upholds us when we feel like we're barely holding on in life. Psalm 145, verse 14 says, The Lord upholdeth all that fall and raises up all those that be bowed down. The word uphold means to hold up, grasp, support. The idea is to undergird, which means to secure underneath. The hand of God upholds the stars in their place. Those massive stars whose number is unknown because there are so many. Stars so huge that you could fit trillions and billions of earths into them. Stars which are blazing with energy and power. He holds them up. It's simple for Him, the Creator. And if He can hold those stars in their place so simply, He can easily bear us up in life. We are upheld by His righteous right hand. In the Bible, the right hand speaks of the very best, the strongest, the choicest of someone's power, authority, privilege, and ability. Christ is seated at the right hand of God in heaven. And positionally, by God's grace, we, the body of Christ, are seated in Him there. Being at God's right hand demonstrates Christ's highest authority, power, and privilege. And it shows how pleased the Father is with His beloved Son. And it teaches how accepted we are in Christ by the Father. 
that positionally God sees us seated in Christ in the very best position possible at the right hand of God. Ephesians says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, which he wrought in Christ when he raised them from the dead and set them at his own right hand in heavenly places. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 then goes on to say, And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Here we see that in God's love and care, he describes himself as exercising his right hand on his people's behalf. God is righteous in extending it toward us to uphold us. His righteous right hand denotes right action at all times. God always does what is right. We are assured that by God's right hand and great power, he will always do what is right in strengthening, helping, and upholding us and being faithful to those promises. And he is righteous in being faithful. He can be fully relied upon in every way. And in this world, in a world that's filled with insecurity, we find true security in life, in God. The hand of God, the righteous right hand, was pierced for our sins. And God's righteous judgment against our sins at the cross, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. We righteously deserved God's wrath because of our sins, but that wrath was taken away by the cross, by Christ being our substitute and paying for our sins. And when we trust that He died for our sins and rose again, the wrath of God is taken away. But that righteous right hand that would have crushed us as our judge against our sins in His righteousness at the great white throne, Now that we've trusted Christ as our Savior, that same hand is placed under us to bear us up, hold us up, and carry us through life. Isaiah 41.10 teaches us about our relationship with God. I am with you. He is by our side and always there. I am your God. He is over us and He is in control. I will strengthen you from inside with His almighty power. I will help you. He goes before us and guides and directs our steps in His perfect wisdom by His word. I will uphold you. He holds us up from underneath and behind, undergirding us to keep us from falling. So God is beside us. God is over us. God is in us. God is before us. God is behind us, holding us up. He's all around us from every side, watching, guiding, helping, caring for us each step of our journey through life out of His deep and abiding love which passeth all knowledge. Does God care about your life? Absolutely, yes. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Transformed by Grace. For nearly 80 years, the Berean Bible Society has endeavored to encourage believers everywhere to study God's Word. With this foundation, the believer is equipped to grow spiritually and energized to effectively share the gospel. Through the tools of both traditional and electronic media, we are positioned to reach our world well into the coming generations. Streaming lessons, printed materials, audio teachings, and daily devotionals are all available at the BereanBibleSociety.org.
Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.